dads about, I've been talking with them about the book of Matthew. And Matthew is one book in the New Testament. It's about the, the life story of Jesus. It tells us a little bit about his teaching. It tells us a little bit about his life. It tells us about his birth that we're getting ready to celebrate. And uh, it tells us about his death and his resurrection and, and how through his death and resurrection uh, that we can have a relationship with God. Our sins can be forgiven, and we have this, this wonderful gift of eternal life. And so, uh, but I've been talking to your moms and dads about the book of Matthew, but a little later as we're working our way through Matthew, there's a story about Jesus with children. And what happened was his disciples felt like that maybe he was too important for, for kids who were in the age of surge or in the age, age group of, of Adventure Zone. But Jesus said, no, let the, let the little children come to me. And for him, Jesus, uh, people your age were hugely important uh, for him. And, and you're really important to us as well. So we're really glad you're with us today. Uh, I want to, most of you know me as Pastor Gary. You may be, you know my wife as Miss Joy. Uh, can I get this family picture up here? I want to get it. This is our newest family picture. And uh, a lot of y'all know my son, Caleb. Now, Caleb's an adult. He's moved away. He lives up in Sacramento now, and he's plugged into a really good church there. Uh, Cass, uh, she, my oldest daughter, she is, uh, a couple of years ago, she told me she wants me to be her dad, not her pastor. And uh, she wasn't firing me. She wasn't firing me. She was just simply saying, hey, I want to have someone else as a pastor as well, which is fine. I mean, you know, what I'm grateful for is that as adults, they still want to follow Jesus, and that's what's most important to me. And then um, I think a lot of you know uh, my youngest daughter, uh, Faith, who also helps with Surge. So some of you may recognize her from the Surge classroom. But I want to introduce you to the newest member of our family, and his name is Watson. Watson. And uh, Watson is a very smart dog. He's very energetic. Uh, he's a very good watchdog at about 2 in the morning. He is. He is. He hears anything that doesn't sound right, he lets you know. And so he's a good watchdog. He's really affectionate. He's, a, he's very, he loves to play and loves to, uh, so if you ever come to our, our home, if you ever come to our home, he may want to climb up in your lap uh, and give you the opportunity to hold him because he wants to bless you that way. And, uh, or he may uh, want to bless you by letting you throw a ball for him to fetch and bring it back to you. But he is the newest member of our family. And, uh, and so, uh, so uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to introduce you to him for a moment. Uh, I want to ask you a question, and kids, I really need your help on this, but adults, I need your help on this as well. And what I would like you to do is, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wrap all of this right back into the book of Matthew. You may not know how, but we're, everything we've talked about is going to wrap us right back into the book of Matthew. But what I'd like you to do in little groups of, of three or four or five or 12 or however many people is comfortable for you, but with the people around you, I want you to answer a question for me. I want to know, I want you to tell the people who are with you, what is your favorite animal and why? What is your favorite animal and why? So right now, just in little groups of a few people, I want you to answer those questions. All right, you guys, you look and sound like you're having a really good time. So uh, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you, from some of you uh, in your group. Charlotte, I'll start with you. What's your favorite animal and why? Okay, okay, so a baby giraffe because they're adorable, all right? So, uh, 
baby giraffe. I don't know how to spell giraffe, but I'll spell it creatively. One E or two E's? Two E's? Okay. Adorable. All right. We'll just. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm a creative speller. I grew up in Arkansas. And, you know, we have a wonderful education system there, number 49 in the country, uh, edging out uh, Mississippi, where our worship pastor is from. Uh, anyway, but baby giraffe, Jet. And, and what? Cats lie. Okay. Dogs are playful. All right. All right. Ellie, I saw you. What, what is yours? Okay. Okay. Unicorns, because they are mysterious. All right. All right. Mysterious. Yeah. All right. So, yes. Okay. Okay, dolphins, they're, they're playful, uh, they're heartwarming, uh, and, and actually my oldest daughter, uh, Cassidy, she got to go swim with dolphins a while back over at, at Marine World, so uh, dolphins, playful. Okay, all right, fantastic. Okay, so let's see. Someone back here, yeah. Okay. Horses, they're beautiful. They're majestic. All right, fantastic. Okay, beautiful. Oops. Beautiful. Okay. And then Lainey. Oh, okay. Okay, so cats and dogs. Um, fluffy and cute. All right. Fluffy and cute. Wow. There we go. Oops. Fluffy and cute. Okay, fantastic. So, Carolyn? Yeah. Yes! All right, Madison! Tastes good. I, I, this is what I'm going to tell you. If Maddie hadn't said that, Maddie, if you hadn't said that, I would have, okay? You just beat me to it. Somebody else, favorite animal? Yes, ma'am. Norwal because of what? They look like a unicorn. All right. Norwals. I have no idea how to spell this. Okay. Okay, unicorn-like. Okay. All right, somebody else? Mikey. Oh, okay, so pandas, because they're from China. Cool. All right. And how about one more? Can I get another? Danny? What's that? An eagle? Okay, so the eagle, because it's our the emblem of our, our country. Okay. All right. And then, Danny, I saw your hand up in the very back. Okay, polar bears, adaptable, and eat a lot. Okay, all right. So, does that mean I'm a, does that make me a, a polar bear? Because I eat a lot? Actually, Sol, let me get you, baby. Oh, okay. So, a jaguar, because it is, and you go to KI, don't you? That's right. 
All right, the the uh, the symbol, the it's the emblem of our nation, our eagles, and the emblem of of K.I. Jones. It's it's Jaguars. Laney, you had one more. Oh, you do too. Wow, that's great. Kira. Dogs. Okay, they protect you. All right, fantastic. Okay, so that's good. That's good. Well, today what we want to do is we're going to talk about we're going to talk about uh, dogs, and we're going to talk about pigs and other kinds of people. Okay, we're going to talk about dogs and pigs and other kinds of people. And I know that some of you are saying dogs and pigs are not people. And, uh, and that's true. That's true except for when they are. Okay? So dogs and pigs, they're not people except when they are. And so we're going to talk about dogs, pigs, and other kinds of people. Today what I want you to do is I want you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And I want to read for you something that Jesus says. This is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And in this passage, Jesus says this. He says, and we're right in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. So kids, if you haven't been here, the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon that Jesus taught the people of Israel a couple thousand years ago. And he taught this on a hillside. And there were all these people, and it covers Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, Jesus says this. He says, do not judge. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the, the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And Jesus goes on to say, he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And then Jesus says this. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. By the way, anybody ever seen a pig wearing pearls before? You have? Wow, okay. So there's, there's one of us, okay? I have two, but only on Google, okay? Uh, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, what is Jesus saying there? And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But let's begin. What I want to share with you, I want to share with you three thoughts based upon this text today, if I can. Is, you know, today we want to talk about how to be a good judge of character without being judgmental. And three real simple, very important principles for you and how you live your life and how you interact with your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, uh, with people here at church or people in our community. Three principles that Jesus wants us to understand. The first one is this, is do not be too quick to judge other people. Don't be too quick to judge other people. What Jesus says in Matthew uh, 7, verses 1 and 2, he says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So what Jesus is saying here, he's saying don't judge, don't look down on, don't belittle, despise, dismiss other people in a superficial way. So, for example, don't look down on someone 
maybe because their clothes aren't as nice as your clothes. Or don't look down on someone because they live in a neighborhood that maybe isn't quite as nice as your neighborhood. Or don't look down on a person maybe because they don't have as much education as you do. Because, you know, maybe you're in second grade and they're in first grade. Okay? So you don't look down on them because they're not as educated. Don't look down on people for things that are really superficial and unimportant. Uh, Don't despise people maybe because of their appearance or because they don't have uh, because for whatever reason, be careful how you judge people. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, there's a story. And what happens in, in Matthew 16, let me just give you a little bit of the backstory. At this time, the nation of Israel, they had their first king, a man named Saul. And when what they had done is at, at, uh, there was a, a prophet, his name was Samuel. And Samuel had been leading the nation of Israel. He had been a judge or leading the nation of Israel. And what the people said is they said, give us a king so that we can be like the other people, the other nations. And so they were asking for a king. And when they did this, God said, he told Samuel, he said, don't get too upset about this. It's not you they've rejected, it's me. By asking for a king, what they were really doing is they were rejecting God as their king. They wanted to be like the other peoples of the ancient world. And when they chose Saul, they chose a man who was described as being a really good-looking guy, and he was head and shoulders over everybody else. He was a man large of stature, really good-looking. On the outside, everything looked good. Unfortunately, on the inside, things weren't so good. And so what happened was Saul rejected God, and he turned from God, and he disobeyed God. And when Saul did that, God said uh, he, he rejected Saul as the king of Israel. And he told uh, Samuel, that he wanted someone who had a heart who uh, was like his heart, who had a, a heart for him. And so what, what God did is he spoke to Samuel, and he said, Samuel, I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to go to the town of Bethlehem where Jesus would one day be born. This is about a 1,000 years before the birth of Jesus. He said, I want you to go to Bethlehem, and there's a man who lives there by the name of Jesse. And I want you to anoint and appoint one of his sons to be the, the next king of Israel. And so what Samuel does is he goes, to, he goes to Bethlehem, and when he gets there, the Bible tells us that the people were really, really afraid. They were afraid of Samuel. And the reason that they were afraid is because, because Samuel was a prophet. And sometimes when Samuel would come to a place, he would pronounce judgment from God. And so they were afraid of why Samuel might be with them And they asked Samuel, do you come in peace? And what Samuel said is he said, yeah, I've come in peace. And he says, today we're going to sacrifice at the home of Jesse. And he invited the people there, and they went to the home of Jesse. And what happens in Matthew 16 is, is first of all, Samuel, he arrives, and he sees the oldest son of Jesse. His name was Eliab. And, and what, what Samuel, what the Bible tells us is that Samuel saw Eliab and he said, uh, he thought to himself, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. That, that, that Samuel was immediately, um, uh, immediately assumed that, that this oldest son would be the, the, the one that God would choose to be the next king of Israel, that he would choose Eliab. And this is what the Lord said to Samuel. He said, don't consider his appearance. 
See, the reason that Samuel was looking at Eliab is because Eliab was a lot like Saul. He was a good-looking guy. He was big, and he was strong. And, and, and what the Lord says to Samuel, he says, Don't consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. And so what happens is that, that the second son of Jesse, uh, Abinadab, comes to uh, Samuel. And Samuel says, this isn't the one. And then a third one comes to, 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 to Samuel, uh, Shema. And, and the Lord says, this isn't the one either. And eventually, Jesse's seven oldest sons, he had eight sons total, seven, his seven older sons all came to Samuel, and each one of them, uh, God said, told Samuel, this isn't the one. And so finally what Samuel does is he, he turns to Jesse and he says, do you have any other sons? And Jesse, the father of David, says, well, we have one other. Uh, it's David, but he's out watching the sheep. Now, now imagine this for a moment. Imagine everybody in your family is invited to your parents' home for Thanksgiving except for you. Okay? Imagine that people in the neighborhood are all invited to your parents' home for Thanksgiving. Everybody is invited except for you. That was David. David was the one that no one thought to invite. David was the one that was the easiest to overlook. David was the one who was the easiest to dismiss. And when David came into Samuel's presence, uh, the, the Bible says this. It says, um, so Samuel, uh, David came, all the sons passed before him. Uh, Samuel asked, are, are there any other sons? And Jesse says, they're still the youngest. He's tending the sheep. And then Samuel says, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And so David comes, and when David when Samuel saw David, the scripture says he was glowing with health. He had a fine appearance with handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise up and anoint him. This is the one. And so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on, on David. There's nothing in the world wrong with someone being attractive. There's nothing in the world wrong with being uh, big and strong. But what matters most to God isn't what matters most to people. We have a tendency to really focus in our world today on outward appearance. So, so girls, let me talk to you for a moment. The world likes to tell us what beauty looks like. The world likes to tell us what beauty looks like. But the, the world has a very, very narrow range of what beauty looks like. They tell us that beauty looks like a Victoria's Secret uh, model. The world tells us that, that, that what beauty looks like for a woman is like the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. And what they, the world has for us is a very narrow definition of what beauty is and what beauty looks like. And, and, and guys, let me tell you something. What the Bible says is it says that, that, that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be cherished. And what the Bible tells us is that far more important than what a person looks like on the outside is what they look like on the inside. And the real beauty, real beauty, begins in the heart. Uh, girls, let me, let me talk to you for a moment, okay? One day you may meet a young man. He may be good looking. He may be really, really charming. Uh, he may 
he may be he may be really really popular, and he may pay attention to you. But far more important than what he looks like is the character of his heart. How does he treat other people? How does he treat other people? Is he is he kind of a bully, or is he kind? Is he um, can he be mean spirited, or is he gentle? And what's really important, what's really really important for us, and what's really important for how we esteem people is the character of their hearts more than, than, than their appearance. Uh, for me, uh, Joy and I, it, what, what really drew me to Joy, I mean, I always thought Joy was, was pretty, and, and I thought she was a wonderful person, but what really drew me to Joy, and the reason that I wanted to spend my, the rest of my life with her was because of the character uh, of her heart. Is that what really drew me to my wife was that she was just, she was as beautiful on the inside as she was on the outside. Does that make sense? And what we want to do is, is that too often we can judge people based upon their appearance instead of looking at people and looking at their hearts. And what Jesus says is, is don't be too quick to judge others. There's a second principle I want you to see in this text, that, and, and that's this, is carefully examine your own life before pointing out the faults and shortcomings of other people. Carefully examine your own life before pointing out the faults and shortcomings of other people. What Jesus is, says, he says, he says this. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Why do you care about a little bitty speck in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? And Jesus says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye is that sometimes we can, it's really easy for us to, let me just talk to you from my experience. This is what I found in my life, is usually I tend to look at myself through the lens of my good intentions. Do you understand what I mean by that? I trust that if my intentions are good, the way other people experience me is good. I tend to look at myself through the lens of my good intentions. At the same time, I tend to look at other people through the lens of what I feel like around that person. And if I'm not careful, I begin to interpret the person based upon how I feel than the reality of what's happening in the situation. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. It happened a couple of weeks ago uh, with Faith and I. We were driving to school. And uh, on our way there, there was a person in front of me who, who was very inconsiderate in the way they were driving. They were driving way too slow. They were just being so inconsiderate in how they were driving. And didn't they understand that we were kind of in a hurry to get Faith to school because, you know, I want to get her there before the tardy bell. And we're, we're kind of in a hurry. And this person, they were so inconsiderate, they actually began to slow down just before a red light. You know, and I found myself feeling a little bit irritated with this person. The interesting thing is, is that, that about five minutes later, I, I think I may have, I, there's a song I like to sing with my kids when I'm on the way to school, and uh, it, it's about people, uh, you know, having a little bit more giddy up and go in their cars. Okay, I won't sing the song for you. Okay, but I, I had this song, and so I think I was making my displeasure known. But then a few minutes later, we're getting onto the freeway, and as we're getting on the freeway, I slowed down momentarily for another car so that they could get out onto the freeway. But they were very, very hesitant. And the way I was slowing down was beginning to back up a few people behind me. And one of the guys went around me, and he made his displeasure known. 
Do you understand what I mean? Okay? I mean, there was no sign language, but it was just clear. He was not upset, or he was not pleased with the way I was driving. I was slowing him down. And what I said to Faith is I said, well, I slowed down with the best of intentions. And and Faith just kind of reminded me is that sometimes we kind of examine ourselves through our good intentions. Meanwhile, we sometimes examine other people to how we feel in the moment. So, for example, if someone, we feel like someone is rude in traffic, we might kind of dismiss them as being rude people, when in reality, they may not be rude at all. They may be on their hur- they may be in a hurry on their way to the hospital. Maybe they're on their way. Maybe a baby is about to be born. Maybe there's a, a, a member of their family who's sick. And sometimes what happens is we begin to evaluate that person in that moment, but it has nothing to do with what's going on in real life. It has everything to do with how we feel in that moment. And one of the things that Jesus tells us to do is he says this. He says, before you look at the speck in your brother's eye, make sure you take care of the plank in your own eye. Then make sure you're taking time to really examine yourself before you begin to to point out or call out uh, the faults and, and shortcomings of other people. Now, is it ever okay for us to address uh, the shortcomings of other people? And I would say absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, Jesus says so right here. That what Jesus says is he says, first take care of the plank in your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, the reason we take care of the plank first is because sometimes what we regard as a speck in the other person is really a plank in our own eye. The real fault has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with us. But sometimes, after we've dealt with the plank in our own eye, we see an issue in another person's life, and sometimes we have to speak to that. So how do you know when it's okay to speak to another person about their shortcoming? A couple things. Uh, When you've carefully examined your own life, okay? When you've carefully examined your own life, when you have taken the time to take the plank out of your own eye, to humble yourself before God, ask God to really examine you, and make sure you're addressing issues in your own life, okay? Uh, How can we know when it's okay to address another person about their shortcoming? When you're trying to win in relationship. When you're trying to win in relationship. This one's really, really important. They're all important, but this is really important. Do you understand what I mean by winning in relationship? See, sometimes if we're not careful, we try to win in conflict. We try to win an argument. And when you win an argument, you lose in relationship. Are you with me here? When we win in making our point, but we lose in listening to the other person, we lose. And we lose in relationship. And and what Jesus says is that he says this um, in Matthew 18. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. In other words, you don't announce it for the whole world to know. You you don't address it with a lot of other people around. But you go to the other person, and, and he says this, if they listen to you, you have won them over. And what Jesus is wanting us to do is he's not wanting us to win in arguments and win in conflict. He's wanting us to win in relationship, to win the other person over. So if I'm saying or doing something that needs to be addressed, and I'll give you a really good example, and I've shared this before. I've shared this before. A few years ago, we had a person working for our church. uh, And uh, in staff meeting, I had said something that, for me, was completely innocent, entirely innocent. And uh, after staff meeting, Matt came to me and he said, Gary, He said, you might need to go to this other person, and you might need to talk with them 
about how you spoke of him. And, and in my mind, I was thinking, oh, you know, Matt's kind of, you know, he's, he's real merciful, and, and he wants to really make sure that nothing is being done that might hurt another person's feelings. And I just thought, well, you know, I, I was kind of dismissing it. But I thought, okay, well, I'm going to listen to him, and I'm going to make sure I'm going to go to this person. And I went to talk to this person, and I said, you know, Matt mentioned to me he thought that the way I said what I said might have felt hurtful for you. And the moment I said that, big tears began to well up in her eyes, and her cheeks began to tremble. And I felt so bad. Because what I had said and what I did, I was looking at myself through the lens of my good intentions. I had not intended anything hurtful about what I had said. I had not intended anything hurtful by what I did. But the other person, the way they experienced it in that moment, it did feel like hurt. And I needed to apologize to them, humble myself. I needed to apologize, and I needed to make things right. Does that make sense? And what, what Matt was doing in that moment is Matt wasn't trying to win an argument. He was trying to win me over. He wanted me to win in relationship with this other person who is an important part of our staff team, an important part of our ministry. And so sometimes we've got to go to people when we see in them a fault that they need to address. Is, is, is this making sense for you? Uh, uh, you know, how do you know when, to, to, uh, when it's okay to, to, to address another person about their shortcoming? When you're tr- humbly trying to restore your brother or sister. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says this. It says, brothers, sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, and that word caught means ensnared. So sometimes people can get, uh, they can get ensnared in a kind of sin that's really holding them back in their walk with Jesus. And what the Bible says, brothers, sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore them gently. You should restore them gently, uh, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. And so what we want to do is we want to aim for restoring people, and we want to aim for doing it gently. So whenever we address an issue in another person's life, we're never trying to humiliate. We're trying to restore. It's, it's about restoration, not humiliation. It's about, you know, it's about helping that person win in their walk with Jesus. Does that make sense? So there are times we, we need to address other people, but, we, but the point that Jesus is making here is carefully examine your own life before pointing out the faults and shortcomings of others. Third principle that Jesus shares with us here in this text is this. Is he says, don't be judgmental, but use wise judgment when dealing with toxic or potentially dangerous people. Don't be judgmental, but use wise judgment when dealing with toxic and potentially dangerous people. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Now, uh, sacred is, is when, when Jesus is saying don't give dogs what is sacred, well, a couple of things. First of all, when he says don't give dogs what is sacred, Jesus isn't talking about dogs like, like uh, Watson. He's not talking about dogs like Watson. He's not talking about dogs like your favorite pet. He's not talking about that at all. In the ancient world, about the time of Jesus, dogs weren't really kept for pets. That's something that we have, but it wasn't something they had. In the ancient world, dogs were considered to be, they were considered to be um, scavengers. They were considered to be predators. They were considered to be vicious. Uh, They were carriers of disease. They were not these cute, cuddly little pets that you wanted to hold in your arms. 
In fact, uh, these wild dogs, they were more like the wild dogs of Africa than the dogs that you and I have today. Uh, in this lower picture down here, it's a picture of some wild dogs, and they're attacking a hyena. And in Africa, these wild dogs have been known to kill hyenas, and at times they even surround, in packs, they'll surround a lion. And in packs, they'll attack the lion and kill the lion. They've been known to kill lions before. They can be very vicious um, uh, uh, animals. They're, they can be very, very dangerous. In fact, when you read through the Bible, I was recently reading the story of Jezebel, Ahab and Jezebel, and what happened to Queen Jezebel after she was killed is the Bible says that she was eaten by dogs. Okay? So these were vicious, vicious animals. And what Jesus says, he says, don't give what is sacred to dogs. Now, something that's sacred is, is something that's holy. It's something that's dedicated to God. And so Jesus is saying, don't give what should be dedicated to God to uh, someone who's dangerous. So he's not talking about animals here. He's talking about a kind of people who are very, very dangerous. In fact, in just a few verses after this, he's going to talk to us about, about false teachers, and he's going to describe them as being like wolves in sheep's clothing. And so what he is saying here is be careful. There are some people, they're dangerous. They're as dangerous as wild dogs. And he says, don't, uh, he says, don't throw your pearls to pigs. And again, pigs in the ancient world, they were considered to be a very dirty and unclean animal. Uh, and they were also sometimes, they could be vicious just like wild dogs could be. I don't know if any of you have ever seen a, a wild pig. I don't, if you've ever been around a, a, a tame pig, I mean, they can sometimes be pretty nasty. I have a buddy of mine who got attacked by a pig uh, when he was a kid. And I remember he had a huge nasty gash over the back of his shoulder where this, this sow had gotten a hold of him. And, uh, and so when Jesus is talking about not throwing pearls to pigs, he's, he's not talking about cute little animals. He's talking about a kind of person who is, who is very, very dangerous. And, and so there are some people in our world who are dangerous, they are toxic, and we need to be careful about how we interact with them. We don't want to be judgmental. Remember how we said we don't want to judge people in a superficial way based upon appearance? But we do need to be very, very good judges of character. So kids, if you've ever heard mom and dad say to you, Watch out for strangers. Have any of y'all ever heard that? You ever been told as a child, uh, be careful of strangers? Most strangers are okay. Most strangers are good people. But sometimes we don't really know. Sometimes we don't really know. And so we have to be careful. The other day I was reading uh, an article about a young girl. She was 11 years old. I don't know if any of y'all saw this. I think it was in Arizona. Uh, but this young girl, she was 11 years old. She was walking home from school one day with one of her friends. And while she was walking along, this man drove up in a car, and he pulled up, and he appeared to be very, very anxious, and he called the girl by name, and he said, Quick, you need to get in the car with me. Your mom sent me to pick you up. Your brother has been injured. She had to take him to the hospital. And so this man was telling her that she needed to get in the car with him because her mom couldn't pick her up. And she, he had been sent by her mom. And so this 11-year-old girl, this is what she said to that man. What's the code word? What's the code word? The man immediately knew that he had been caught. He knew that he didn't know the code word, and he knew that the girl knew that. 
And so he sped away. And, and they did get footage of him. I don't know if they ever caught the guy, but they did catch in security cameras. They did get some, some footage of him. There were other people who had noticed him driving around the park. Uh, and I don't know that they caught him. But this is the, 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 the important part of the story is this, is the girl was saved. The girl was saved. The mom, she said in the article, she said, I never thought my daughter would have to use the code word when I gave it to her. But they had agreed on having a code word so that if if someone ever claimed to be from her mom or her dad coming to pick her up, her mom or her dad would give that person the code word. That way she would know they were actually sent by her mother or her father. And so what we have to do is we have to be very, very, we don't want to be judgmental of people, but we do need to have really good judgment. I used to tell my kids when they were growing up, I used to tell my kids, uh, pay attention to your spidey senses, okay? Pay attention to your spidey senses. You know Spider-Man? You know, Spider-Man, all right? You know, he's got the spidey senses. He kind of knows when something bad is about to happen. And, and what I told my kids is, pay attention to your spidey senses. If you don't have a really good feeling with a person, they may be fine, but pay attention to what you feel. Because sometimes that feeling, that sense, is a very, very good sense that can keep you safe from a dangerous person. One other thing I'm going to say to you kids about, uh, for a moment here is if anybody ever tells you to keep a secret from mom or dad, they are not your friend. Okay? If anybody ever tells you to keep a secret from mom or dad, you tell mom, you tell dad. All right? No secrets. The only time it's only the only time it's okay to keep a secret is if daddy is taking you to the mall to buy mom something for Christmas, all right? And if dad says, "Hey, we want to keep this a secret, then keep it a secret," all right? Or if, if mom takes you to the mall for dad and is buying something special for dad and, and, and your mom says, "We want to keep this as a secret." Those kinds of secrets are okay. But other kinds of secrets, a lot of times, are not okay. So anytime someone tells you that this needs to be our secret, you need to always tell your mom, you need to always tell your dad. You don't have to tell that person you're going to tell your mom or your dad. You just tell your mom, you tell your dad. And, and you let them deal with it, okay? So, uh, and they can talk to me, and I'll help them deal with it. So, uh, but, but be really, uh, uh, what you want to do is you don't want to be judgmental. Uh, you don't want to look at people in a superficial way, but you do want to use good judgment. Jesus doesn't want us to be judgmental, but he wants us to, have, to be good judges of character. He doesn't want us to be super fat, superficial in how we think about people. He wants us to be more concerned about what's on the inside than what's on the outside. Uh, he wants us to be kind and generous and gracious with other people, particularly our brothers, our sisters, our family, husbands, wives, people that we go to church with. He wants us to give people the benefit of the doubt. Instead of interpreting people based upon how we feel, letting them interpret themselves. And then whenever we have an issue with another person, he wants us to be wise enough and humble enough to examine our own lives before we assume that all the fault is with the other person. Because sometimes the problem we have with another person is a problem we have in our own heart. And we're just seeing our problem reflected in that other person. Uh, let's pray. God, what we want is we want to be as kind and generous with other people as you have been with us. God, we are grateful for how you show us your grace, how you show us your mercy, how you give us the benefit of the doubt. 
And Lord, what we want to do is we want to treat other people that same way. But we also want to have the wisdom to be able to, uh, to recognize people who, who might not be safe, people who might be toxic. And so my prayer is that you would help us to be able to, to do that well. Help us, God, to have the wisdom, to have the courage, to have the, uh, the humility to examine our own lives before we find fault in other people. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.